Call me sentimental, but to me, the most joyful moment in sports is the soccer goal. And when that goal happens at the World Cup, well, it's pretty good. I'm Brian Phillips. With the 2022 Men's World Cup approaching, I'm making a podcast called 22 Goals on the Ringer Podcast Network. It's about 22 of the most fire emoji goals in the history of the tournament. We're going to have so much fun. This episode of the Ringer F1 show is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. It is the Ringer Up One Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark. Max Verstappen wins the Belgian Grand Prix after starting 14th. I almost can't say that without laughing. Michael Bauman is here. Michael, it's been a month since I've done Formula One podcast. It's been over three weeks since we've done any vrooming. The car is still vroom, brother. Yeah, and some faster than others. And there hasn't <laughs> been that, that anticipated closing up of the pack. So, yeah, the, mixed up grid. I, I had expectations for this being this year's ridiculous race. And and uh, by I wrote this down by lap 15, the running order was for Stappen, Signs, Perez, Leclerc, Russell. So same as it ever was. All right, we'll do. We'll just flick at what happened today. Verstappen wins. Perez second. Carlos Sainz third. Russell fourth. Fernando Alonso fifth. Leclerc sixth. <laughs> and then we get to mid pack. Lewis Hamilton crashes out with Fernando Alonso um, on the first lap. Uh, yeah. Alonso's uh, race continued. Hamilton's did not. That was, by the way, Hamilton's fault. He put his hand up, said, my bad. They asked him afterwards. Uh, Fernando was extremely angry on the radio afterwards. And Hamilton said, I don't care. I don't care. Don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me to the interview. Uh, interviewer, he did I not want to know. That. Yeah. yeah. yeah just, you don't just, want to move on. Like, just move hey, on. you want to hear We're what good. this guy said about you? We're nah. good. It's, um, yeah. But he did. Hamilton did, did take responsibility for that. Botas uh, also uh, 19th. That was a strange one. Latifi went wide. Uh, I'm not sure if Botas, if there was contact, they, the, the, the broadcast couldn't really tell. He may have just tried to move out of the way and ended up in the gravel and his, his day was done. Um, not a, a great day for either of those drivers. The two Merck drivers from years gone by, uh, or the pairing from years gone by. Michael, we'll start with Verstappen. So going into this race, it was funny. I heard a bunch of drivers and sort of pundits say this going into to Sunday, which is, so Verstappen takes the grid penalty. Mm -hmm. And 
This felt like a race he was going to be excited about because of that. His only title rival was starting behind him, who also took yeah. a penalty. And so it, oh, he was basically playing with house money, and he could either have a great day, a great drive, blow through the pack, or whatever happens, happens, but he's still probably in a better position than his title rival. Uh, this ended up being not only one of his best drives he's ever had, um, it showed you the gap between Red Bull and anybody else, not just the yeah. mid-pack, which we see sometimes when you know Hamilton a couple of years ago gets to blow through mid-pack. We get to see kind of what, what that car looks like versus mid-pack car. But we get to see a blowout from about lap 18 on, as you said, this race was over. Like, I thought this was going to be an epic race because of the mixed-up grid. It wasn't. It was still a blowout. There's nothing they can do. We got a listener question, Michael, that was, why doesn't Red Bull just take the penalty every single week and just have Max start 20th and just blow through the pack every week. Reason being is that spa is easy to overtake in and so that yeah. wouldn't work in certain places, uh, but it'd work in more places than others. And that's just a hell of a lot about 2022 F1, Michael. It's a lot. What Verstappen is doing right now is a lot what we saw Lewis Hamilton doing from yeah. 17 to 20, where he's just so the combination of him and the car is so much faster than anything else on the grid that it just seems to put him in a Zen-like state where he's not making mistakes, where he's not just not letting anybody else back into, into the race. You know, when taking the grid penalty looks exciting, but like you said, this is a fast track where it's relatively easy to overtake. And so many yep. other drivers took grid penalties that he didn't start from 19th or 20th on the grid. He started 14th. And then um, that at the start, Carlos Sainz got away. He got an incredible start. And then the second lap crash brought out the safety car, bunched the pack back up and just made it easier for Verstappen to uh, to pick people off. A lot like Lewis Hamilton going through in the sprint race in Brazil last mm -hmm. year and then starting the race from fifth and working his way to the front. It's very, I think, a very similar performance from Verstappen. Totally agree. Um, afterwards, a couple of pundits made the observation, and I'm going to put this up to you. Is this the best Max has ever driven? Yeah, like, I right. Think so. I, I, this is this is. I mean, this is a car and a driver peaking, and it's interesting because he doesn't have anybody to push him. He doesn't have a Hamilton of last year, and it really is unfortunate because I really wish Hamilton was on the grid for the entire race today, or on the track the entire race today, because nobody wanted to race Max. Like that was everybody was just like, "Yeah, man, we're good, we're good here." I mean, they were all making business business decisions, as we mm -hmm. say in football. Um, and I wish there was a little more push from from somebody. And I understand why. We're going to get to the Ferrari decisions a little bit later. Um, but I mean, he's really just racing against himself at this point, and he's succeeding, Max. And I, I think that's a little bit on the other midfield teams too. Yes, of course. At the end of the last development cycle, you could get to a point where there was the the racing point or the Renault or the McLaren could jump up and bite one of these, you know, could jump up and bite the the Mercedes or, or Red Bull. And except for maybe Alonso and the Alpine, there wasn't really anybody from the the midfield with that kind of speed to make it difficult. But I think in terms of is this the best he's ever driven? I'm sure there's some other like balls out sideways sure. performance that you can think of. But just the fact that this was so uneventful, that he did so much with yes. so little drama. Yes. Uh, I mean, that just speaks to a level of almost boring superiority for him right now. That's it, he's just so far ahead of everybody else. And this is just, you know, start not just starting from 14th and winning, starting from 14th, retaking the lead after about 12 or 13 laps yeah. and then winning by 18 seconds. That's just and, and ending the race. With 40 laps to go mm -hmm. or 30 laps to go. I mean, that, that is unbelievable yeah. to me. And all the greats 
do this. And it's not like we weren't saying he wasn't up there with some of the greats, but you're, you're in rarefied air. I mean, I was looking at some of the data there. Um, Schumacher won from 16th in Belgium in 1995. Mm-hmm. This is what you do when you're a great. We've seen, obviously, you mentioned Lewis has done, um, has, has, has made uh, grid penalties no object in the past before um, or accidents. And so I think that you're just seeing a driver who is peaking with a car. And and I, I I cannot say enough about it. I will say I completely agree with you. Whenever there's a dominant force in any sport, college football, whatever, Alabama, Georgia taking over the sport, yep. it's an abdication of somebody's responsibility. Like you know, a bunch of Florida schools, you know, don't don't, don't play up to where they need to be. USC in Mexico. I haven't heard hires. this like, before. <laughs> has this been a, a thing, Kevin? Tell me about the the pecking order let's in not. college football in Florida. Let's, okay, let's not. Um, uh, that's a different podcast. That's that's coming soon. Um, but no, I, I think that there always is, nobody rises to dominate a sport in a vacuum. And so mm-hmm. I've been disappointed. I mean, Mercedes completely botched it this year. Ferrari didn't botch it with the car and they botched it with strategy. And we're going to get to that in about 30 seconds and I can't wait to do it. Um, <laughs> but this is the only reason to watch Formula One right now is A, the off-track drama, what's going to happen with different seats. I mean, we're almost, it's almost a little becoming NBA-ish, um, where the, the uh, off-field, off-track activity is more important than the action. The inaction is more important than the action. Um, and, and that, to me, is, is a reason to watch it. And then you're just seeing Red Bull against itself. Like that, that, to me, is fascinating. And then the third thing, and the reason I think we're all going to watch, is to see how Ferrari screws it up. They really, they really pulled this out of nowhere because <laughs> they just weren't like they just didn't have the pace, and that's you know the Red Bull is is fast in a straight line and all that, and you know that's fair enough. And Science is frankly you know not on Verstappen's level as a driver. It wasn't out of the realm of possibility to see Red Bull come back and finish one too. But then just with two laps to go, I saw that Leclerc was coming in, and I checked the the timing screen and thought well, he's only 19 seconds ahead of Alonso. That's cutting it pretty close. And then sure enough, you know, what happened in the last lap, uh, just outrageous, just a bunch of even dating back to to like qualifying where in in Q3 uh, Leclerc's coming out of the pits. He's like, why are these tires on my car? And just (laughs) completely like just completely botching every aspect of of this uh, weekend. So. Afterwards, I was watching the uh, the bullpen interviews of the drivers, and Leclerc obviously pits to get fastest lap, and to try to get fastest lap, mind you. And when that happens, there's not enough of a gap, and Alonso catches him. Okay, mm-hmm. so they asked him, and by the way, he also got a five second time penalty afterwards. Right. Leclerc for speeding a pit lane. So congratulations Can't to Ferrari. That. Congratulations to everybody. But they started as soon as the interviewer said. Ferrari to Fernando Alonso in the interview. He got a huge grin on his face because he was so excited to talk about it. And this is why, you know, everybody always says like, oh, certain sports are better when, when somebody's good, uh, when the Raiders are good, the NFL is better. And like, I don't ever believe that. Like, who cares? Like sports are good for other reasons than just whose laundry is, is, is doing well. I mean, I, I think that, that that's secondary. I mean, you can always find something compelling in sports, but Fernando Alonso being relevant at the top of a grid in Formula One is so important to my life and my happiness because of this. So he gets this huge grin on his face, as Ferrari has mentioned, and you know he's going to have a little dig. 
And all he says, they say, were you surprised? And he, he kind of says, I was surprised. Ferrari does something strange with strategy always and then just moves away from the camera. That was it. And I'll, Go ahead. I, I will almost completely agree with your point that the F1 is better with when Fernando's relevant. F1 is, is better when Fernando is where he is now, where he's close enough to the front to you know, make these comments and, and have it be relevant and be yeah. in among the action, but also not contending for a championship. So he doesn't have anything to lose because like don't Fernando Alonso that doesn't give a damn with nothing to lose right now is one of the best quotes in F1. And we got him for a couple, a couple more years. <laughs> He's never going away. No, he's the Julio Franco of F1. Um, <laughs> all right. I wish you didn't see that one coming. Um, all right. So let's, let's, dive deeper into this Ferrari thing. Um, they also ask him, basically they tried to make Leclerc the strategist um, on the radio, almost like a, a quarterback calling his own plays. You do it. We keep screwing up. You do it. Uh, I, this, I mean, listen, that's putting too much on his plate, I think. On the other hand, it can't be any worse, Michael. It just speaks to a lack of confidence, I think. The, like yeah. Some of this is is actually making the right call. But also, if it's a coin flip or, you know, if there are two viable options and just pick something and go with it. And like, it's absolutely within bounds to ask him, like, do you want to stretch out the uh, the stint? How do the tires feel? Like getting feedback from the driver is one thing, but just like asking him to plan the race while he's, you know, doing 200 miles an hour. It's he's he's busy. He has a job like someone on that pit wall needs to do theirs. And you see a lot of the conflict between um, dri like drivers at the very, very front, like when Lewis Hamilton was constantly griping about his tires in 1920, 21, or, or sometimes yeah. Verstappen gets short with his race engineer. Those guys are responding to actual plans, actual ideas. And, you know, it's one thing to present something and have the driver disagree, but just coming to, you know, what do you think? Like, Someone else should, you know, you've got 200 guys with clipboards and headsets back in the garage. <laughs> Some of them, one of them has to have a clue somewhere. You'd think that. You'd think. You'd think but. that. All right. I'm making the call on Ferrari. Everybody out. Everybody? Everybody. Everybody out. <sighs> the drivers stay, the cars stay. Whoever made the improvements on the cars, they can reapply for their jobs. Wow. You're going full like private equity on this team. You're but I, I everybody out. How can it get worse? So here's they show no they don't I don't think they want to improve. I don't think they want to improve. I think they, they, want they to are how give me the evidence they want to improve because well, so I think you heard we've been talking about this for 20 years, for 30 years. You listen to the podcast, the interviews of the people who have come into Ferrari to fix Ferrari. And there's just a block there. There's a, there's a, a, like if you were running, if this were a team, if this were a professional sports team, you'd say they have a culture problem. Yeah. And you know, F1 is so like decisions have such wide reaching, uh, consequences. Like this isn't like changing a football coach for, for instance, but like I, I would worry about ripping everything up and starting over when they they are in the moving in the right direction. Considering how far behind they were coming, oh, are they? The, the car, yeah, absolutely. You like they're they're more embarrassing this year, but they were way worse in in uh, no, 19, That's why I said the car people the car people get to reapply for their jobs. 
Okay, so you want a clean house in the strategy department rather than like the engineer and and or- and Bonotto. By the way, Bonotto is no longer walking and talking in his post race press conferences, which that's I think is concerning. That's a lack of confidence. He was with Paul DeResta today, and he was ex- extremely motionless. And I, you you worry about that a little bit because nobody walks and talks like our guy. Yeah, and like part of the concern about having a quick trigger finger is the story Ferrari like post Jean Tot is mm-hmm. them moving backwards for a couple years, panicking, firing the team principal and, inc- and replacing it with someone increasingly weird and increasingly Italian. <laughs> and so I just don't know how, like, are they going to get actual Waluigi in if, if Bonotto uh, gets, <laughs> gets canned? I just don't know who else is there to pull off the shelf. So I, like, I definitely get the impulse to say, fire everybody, this isn't working. But they they are really making improvements on the car. Like, it's easy to forget how bad this team was for the past two years after they were caught with their illegal uh, yeah. engine in 2019. The secret deal? Yeah, the secret deal where... Maybe, you know, hey, stop hey, 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 wait a second. Maybe we just got to the bottom of it. Maybe the secret deal they had with F1 is that they didn't get punished outwardly. They couldn't do the the energy cheating anymore mm-hmm. but they weren't allowed to have good strategy i mean let's not act like that i mean the last time ferrari won the won the title was 2007 when mclaren had the um the same yeah. oh yep. you know they were yep. ordered to throw the championship by the fia so they wouldn't benefit from spygate wow we did it we got the punishment yeah it's the ferrari has to be ferrari um all right, let's go through the grid here. Uh, Mercedes, Hamilton crashes out early. George Russell gets fourth. I will say, I saw a clip. I don't know if anybody else saw this um, during the race where Russell said that Verstappen was going to be P5 by lap six, I think. And that's exactly what happened. He's an operator. He knows what's going on. Maybe this is, maybe Ferrari should get Russell in because he seems like he can keep track of everything on the, on the track at once. Do you think George Russell could drive full time, do Ferrari strategy when he's not involved with Ferrari and still be a more valuable strategy member than what they have currently? Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, anything impress you about about Russell's drive today? No, I think just really solid. This is, you know, what we've come to expect from him. And he's taking the car about to where you can reasonably expect it to be, which is if somebody screws up. You know, he's usually on the podium or thereabouts. I mean, this is the the first time in a few races, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, that a Mercedes wasn't on the podium and Russell was a big part of that. So, you know, this is par for the course for him. I think he's having a really good season. And I think, like, I don't know, I'm sure he'd rather be fighting for wins week in and week out. Sure. But, you know, there's a little less pressure on him. There's probably not a bad way to to ease into this really high-pressure team he's gone to. Checo, expecting anything more from him today or just just got overwhelmed by his teammate? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing the difference between a very, very good racing driver and one of the best ever. And I don't think it's it's too early to say that about Verstappen. Like you just I thought Nate Saunders tweeted something along the lines of like, it wouldn't surprise me if Max Verstappen never lost a Formula One race again. Like that's that's how it feels right now. So, you know. Being there, finishing second—that's the the next best position available for for human beings, and and good for Checo for getting it. Uh, listener Conley asks, which race will Max not win the rest of the season? Okay, 
I am going to pull up the schedule for this. Oh, we're doing it. We're going. We're going. Yeah. We're looking at the schedule. We'll schedule talk. Uh, he's going to win a Monza. He's going to win his home race. Yeah, he's going to. I. I wouldn't bet my life, but I'd bet your life that he wins at Zandvoort. Uh, yeah, I'd bet my life on Monza. Is that? Monza's let me ask you a, up some. Some. Let me ask you a question. Races though. in the the past few years, though. I, well, let me ask. Yes. Having said that, do you think that if when when Red Bull embarrasses Ferrari at Monza, that that's like a, a heads roll thing? That's and that seemed to be something that that Carlos Sainz uh, alluded to in his his podium interview that like he expects Ferrari to have an edge at Zandvoort and Red Bull to have an edge at Monza. That's yeah. like I saw that. I don't know. Like that's a if that happens, that's going to be. A bad luck. Oh, September 11th. And it is uh, the date of the Italian Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to circle two, two races that I think uh, yeah. Max might not win. One is Singapore. Yes, I was just about to say that. Yeah, I think that's a, a Hamilton. First of all, has traditionally been incredible around Singapore. There's a chance that like he sticks it on pole and just doesn't let anybody pass him. I think Leclerc will be good there as well. Um, and then, uh, Mexico city, maybe they just, you know, the Red Bulls get one, two and they, I, they I thought, roll max yes. over and let Checo through. Uh, and then we have some sort of like world ending party in Mexico city. Uh, cause we saw how nuts they were going there last year when, when Should we Checo go? was even on the podium, oh, man. I mean, like, seriously, I think about it. it's going to be during the world series, so I probably can't go, but you should definitely. Oh yeah, definitely a world series right on. That was yeah. definitely what I was I, thinking about. <laughs> um, uh, uh, top mind, <laughs> top of mind, World Series all the time. This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so let's uh, let's let's get to one more listener question. This is from Stacy Ogman, probably not his real name. Does Max script out the laughs during his post race radio messages? So I think that he was trying. I think the problem was he made this too boring, and so I think his laugh was more like trying to like. I think it was genuine. I think he was really excited, but I felt like there was a, a bit of a malaise at the end of that race, and I think he was the only person excited because he had uh, made it such a blowout. Yeah, I. What do we want from him? You know, what more can you ask for? Like, make it look harder than it is. Like, that's yes. okay. throw the race, throw the race until the last race, and just okay. Um, hey, Esteban Ocon, yeah, that look one that. the two multi car overtakes in the same race. Even and he pulled off the uh, the Mika Hakkinen on Michael Schumacher pass too, which I don't know. I mean, Ocon's a, a polarizing figure, but he had a, a huge day today. Ocon said that uh, Mika Hakkinen saw him right before the race and talked to him ah. right before. So that was it. That was the channeling. He should do. Um, he should do this every weekend. Invite a legend of F one to the race just to you know have something rub off on him and see what happens every weekend. Both McLarens finish out of the points. Lando Norris twelfth, yeah. Danny Ricardo fifteenth. I don't love it, Michael. No. And again, like this is sort of what I was saying with the that some of Verstappen's dominance is on these midfield teams that, you know, McLaren keeps talking a big game, keeps saying that like they're they're right there and like a double or no points from from either of their cars. I know Norris took a, a grid penalty and Ricardo is having kind of a weird time, but yeah, it's. Suffice it to Oscar, say, he's having a weird time. Oscar Piastri chose wrong is what you're saying. So here's the thing. Like I, if I were Oscar Piastri and I was saying like, where do I want to spend the next couple years of my career? I'd probably pick McLaren over Alpine because Alpine just seems a little dysfunctional. Although part mm-hmm. of that is just the result of having Piastri lined up and then losing him, which is right. an all time, all time choke. Like, but still, like those are not vibes you want to start your F one. This is a little about the Eric, our Eric Andre shooting on a couch meme. Like what Oscar Piastri asking, how did Alpine get so dysfunctional? It's like, well, yeah. Buddy. Well, I mean, <laughs> they were like this before he even got there. They're very French that team, um, and <laughs> so like I, you know, I like the way McLaren expand on that, but, Michael. Just maybe the stereotype. No, you, you know what I mean. Okay, you know what oh, I mean. Do I? No, yeah. I don't know. Everybody knows what I mean. Uh, so. <laughs> I could understand why he'd want to go to McLaren over Alpine just based on the long-term trajectory of the the team. But like, that's a really fast car right now. And it has been mm-hmm. a fast car for a couple seasons. And it's been hanging out in this like no man's land between the top couple teams. And then, you know, the drags, the, you know, the, the Mercedes customers basically. And it's, you know, you can, you could like Alonzo is and not just Alonzo, but but Ocon's pulled out some really impressive performances where the mm-hmm. track suits it. So I think like, you know, that should be a, a you know, both cars in the points, maybe competing for podiums in, in races where the grids get grid gets shaken up. You know, I think that that like, there's a huge amount of potential in the. Or maybe not potential, but speed right now 
in in Alpine. And so it you know it just says a lot that neither Ocon or not Ocon that neither Piastri nor Alonso wanted to you know wanted to stick around. That you know it says mm-hmm. I think it says something about the the direction of the team based on the performance because both of them are at least theoretically you know moving back moving back on the grid versus if they'd stayed. Okay, so let's get to the Ricardo talk. So the news this week is that Ricardo yeah. confirmed he's not returning to McLaren. He had a press conference on Thursday, I want to say, maybe Wednesday. And look, he said a tough year. Uh, I saw a stat the other day. On average in qualifying, he's three-tenths of a second off of Norris. He has not had a good drive. All sorts of theories on why. Maybe he's just not used to the way that these cars corner, whatever. It's just not suited for him. I mean, that, that again, by the way, that happens when you're number two driver sometimes. These cars are not built for you. Um, they're not thinking about you as much. It's just all these little edges. And for me, uh, I think that it was probably time for McLaren to make a move. I don't know if Piastri is going to be better than Ricardo, but let's put that aside for a second. So Ricardo said he only wants to race in F1. He does not want to try another, you know, Formula E, IndyCar, whatever, Extreme E, whatever the hell it is, right? It probably doesn't want to do, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I've heard a lot of people speculate that he'd want to do what what Kimmy just did in NASCAR, um, which is he does a one-off NASCAR race at, yeah. at a place like Watkins Glen with Trackhouse. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I think in that 10 for- years, like that could be attractive to him, but I think he's still got I think he still thinks that there's something right. he can he, offer F1. He, so. he wants to be an F1 next year. Yes. He doesn't want to race in any other formula. Um and so that there are a couple of options for him, probably, especially when you consider the marketing dollars. Where does Ricardo go from here? Alpine makes the most sense uh, <clears throat> just because it's the only other comparable drive. And if he's sure. signing up for for Williams, like maybe that's a, a team with potential, but it's a long commitment to get even back to where he is with with McLaren. Haas has been talked about, but I don't know. And frankly, like, you know, if you're Gunther Steiner and Ricardo can maybe even be yeah. had on the cheap because of the McLaren buyout, you have to at least have that conversation. But I don't know if that's a fit long term. That's a, a team that's been pretty dysfunctional the second half of this season, too. I just know that Gunther called him. Do you know that Gunther called him? That was the report yes. this week. Yeah. So it's. Hello. Yeah. Can I mean, we do it. Can you any, can either of us do a Gunther calling Daniel Ricardo impression? I'm trying and failing. I can't not no. like I would need to practice. You know what? First. You know what? Listener, just imagine it. And you're good. <laughs> it's it's trust me. It's going to be funny in your own head. Um, so okay, continue. Sorry. So it's it's either Alpine, which has sort of been there, done that, and they're the yeah you know the vibes issues that are why that seat's open in the first place. And after that, it's like it's teams nine and ten on the basically in the competitive and, and resource order. Um, so you know if he wants to stay in F one, I think all three of those teams would want him, but he's mm-hmm. going to have to take a step back. I, I still think he, there's a good F one driver in there. It just, for some reason, isn't working out at McLaren. I think, and I'm certainly not convinced that like, that he doesn't deserve another shot with, with another team to, to see if just a change of scenery does something for him. Cause it just, it never seems like he, he really bedded in and, you know, Obviously, he shares some of that, some of the blame for for not driving faster. But you know, it just couldn't work, and sometimes that happens. So I want to see him land on his feet somewhere else. Even though I was on the the TSN uh, racing pod last week t- with a uh, our friend Tim Haraney and our uh, buddy. booted a. I know he said uh, Ricardo said he doesn't want to do IndyCar, but uh, a Joseph New- Newgarden for Ricardo swap between. Uh, 
uh, F1 and Penske. Like that's what I've got my my heart set on. Okay, which has a zero percent. I don't think I don't think Ricardo has his heart set on the Joseph Newgarden for Daniel Ricardo swap. Um, no. What I what is first of all the financial, and I know the buyout from McLaren is significant. And somebody was saying that you, there was almost a sly smile on Ricardo's face during that Zoom because it's like I'm getting oh, a that's hell the dream. of a lot of money. Yeah, getting paid ten million, you know, ten to twelve million dollars or something, not to work. Like, come on, that's the that's all I want for my career. I very early on my career went to a coach's house so he could teach me football. Um, Didn't work, Uh, but he had been fired, and he has this massive house, like in the suburbs of the area where he got where he got fired, and he just gave me a little tour, and he said, "This entire thing, biggest house service in my life." She goes. This entire thing, that's called getting fired with three years left on your contract. Yes. And I was like, hell yeah. Hell yeah, That's brother. the dream. Um, so anyway, uh, what a L for Netflix if Piastri, the Australian, replaces Daniel Ricardo and there's no Daniel Ricardo. Could Netflix still follow Ricardo around if he's not in F1 next year and just do an episode on that? I think if Ricardo, so like if Ricardo wants to, like he could be martin brundle's successor like i you know i think he could just i go higher right and be the I don't, oh, yeah? I don't mean I, I no no i don't mean that i mean like like someone at espn i i joked about i think it was uh on the episode with chris medlin we talked about this but in miami someone at espn had speculated they were just like and this is just not you know just bsing just like what is it why doesn't espn just like pay daniel ricardo to stop being a racing driver and just mm-hmm. have him on their network and i'm not talking about just like have him in austin and in Mexico City, and in Brazil, and at have, have him on first just, take. Have him on game day. Like, why is it, why, <laughs> like, why don't we have Daniel Ricardo like, whooping up the Ohio State student section before a Purdue game, and just going absolutely wild? Like, there's some, there's some Pat McAfee-esque potential there, with just, like, a character who can just, who, who's enthusiastic about everything, is charismatic, loves American sports. Like, I watched a where, YouTube video of him comparing fried chicken places in LA last week. How'd he do? Like, huh? I mean, he, how did he do? He probably shat his pants afterwards. Like, he was not capable of handling that spice. That's something he's going to need to uh, I, uh, work up to if he lives here, but. Can't go on hot ones. Um, he, no, I, I showed Brian Curtis. I, Brian Curtis doesn't really follow up on, but we were talking about it, and I was showing because he's a big Texas fan. I was showing him the photos of, of Ricardo, like wearing a Texas basketball jersey around and a cowboy mm-hmm. hat, and he's like, "So there's no connection other than like he's enthusiastic about this, right?" And yeah. I was like, "That's right." And he's like, "So this guy should be on television all the time." Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's a great call. What I was going to suggest is like if the the financials don't work for. Um, for Ricardo and Haas and and like there's no other seat yes. like Netflix should pony up just to get him and Gunther in the the same team. Netflix should just be that's like got to be worth ten million dollars to to Netflix. Ricardo could be a pay driver, but for Netflix, like Netflix brings their that's, own sponsorship money. That's precisely what I'm proposing: the Netflix Haas Ferrari F1 team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of this tailspin. Um, what are you watching? So they asked. Uh, Leclerc afterwards, are you still in this title hunt? Uh, did you see that at all? No. And, and he kept saying, like, it's getting very difficult. Uh, he kept saying that. And they kept, like, rephrasing the question. He kept saying, yeah, it's getting very, very difficult, but we're just going to keep our head down. So, like, even the most optimistic Ferrari fan is kind of like, you know, we're good here. Let's, let's do the F2, F1 standings real quick. Uh, Verstappen, 284 points. Checo, 191. 
Leclerc 186, Sainz 170, Russell 170, excuse me, Sainz 171, Russell 170, Lewis 146, and the big old gap to Lando Norris at 76. Um, what are you watching for the rest of the F1 season? Are you just want to see the cars go vroom? Do you want to see Verstappen go for history and winning as many races as he possibly can, set some records? You're looking for Checo to, to show something to close the gap. Like, what are we watching for the rest of this? Uh, what eight eight race stretch? Yeah, I, I mean, number one, cars go vroom. But number two, <laughs> Russell has just been hanging around in a surprisingly high position in the driver's standings. And like, I look at these standings, and now like, there's uh, ninety three points between Verstappen and Perez, but only twenty one between Checo and Russell for second. And that it takes some doing, but like, you know, crazy pole lap at, at Singapore, it's 25 points, you know, I, it, there's a possibility that, that he could end up finishing second or third in the, the driver's championship. I don't think Verstappen is going to, I'll say this. I don't think that Verstappen is going to break the consecutive wins record because the mm-hmm. Ferrari, like I'm not going to bet on Ferrari screwing it up eight races in a row. Even they're not that hapless. Like I think Leclerc still has one more at least one more huge weekend in him. I don't. Uh, and that'll break the streak. No. But I'm going to bet on Ferrari screwing it up. Everything. That's definitely the more fun position. So everything that I've ever believed about Formula One, about how some of the smartest people on the planet, about how these, you know, the competition is not Total Wolf. Like if Total Wolf went to the open market, his competition wouldn't even be, is he going to go to Alpine? It would be like, is he going to run? He's going to be the CEO of a massive car company, right? Like, that's yeah. the analogy. Just some of the smartest that's business what people, tech Stefano minds. De- Stefano Domenicali. Yeah, didn't he go when, yes. like, and this is not Toto Wolf. Like, this is just, yes. this is one of the, the chain of increasingly weird Italians Ferrari fired in the 2010s. He went to, like, run Lamborghini or something. Like, so, these are. Okay, these are, these are masters of the yeah. freaking universe. Okay. Yeah. And you know the good Tom the Wolf former, reference there. What, thank you. One of the one of the Ferrari guys went to run Juventus. Like this is these these should be. And I have always believed everything you hear. Like Ross Braun's book, they say everybody's so smart in F one that the first race, fir, the first race, the winner, of, the winning car of that race would finish last in the last race of the season. Right? That's how there's constant improvement. It's constant innovation. It's the cutting edge. These are the alpha males of the world. Right? And guess what? Everything Ferrari's doing. It's kind of showing that it's fake. Oh, yeah. Like, this is, it's revealing the, the it's taking the mask off of capitalism. Like, oh, <laughs> these are, like, these are all guys who think that they're qualified to go run IBM or something. And, you know, I think they're probably as smart as the guys who are running IBM. And then they're turning around on international TV asking Charles Leclerc for advice while, you know, while he's going through the bus stop. It's ridiculous. The emperor of Ferrari has no clothes. Has no clothes. Well, I'm sure he has exceptional clothes. This being exceptional. Well, he's got, I mean, we've seen it. He's got all his yeah. glasses. Wow. Maybe um, this is a problem. Go back to the ground, the the round glasses for Mattia Bonato. Has everything gone off the rail since he went to the more squared off spectacles? Max Verstappen went from 14, 14th to first mm-hmm. in this race. And it he made it a remarkable feat and he made it so boring that we're doing glasses talk in minute 40 because there's nothing to talk about in this season because he's so good. You see what Ferrari has done. You see what Mercedes has done. You see what McLaren has done to us. Yeah. We got no I mean, content. Th- 
this is something that I've been low-key interested to see what happens to like the drive to survive generation yes. of fans. Because yes. like the people who just showed up last year got so spoiled by one of the like like a once in 25 years title fight. And most of the time it's like this. And that's why I mean, but that's why I think the genius of Netflix is making you care about who finishes fifth or sixth. But you know, we'll see, you know, there hasn't been a title fight for for a couple months now and won't be and you know, we'll see what happens in 2023. But like it really loving this sport is about is about caring about what happens lower down the pecking order. So I don't even think it's I I don't think it's about who finishes fifth and sixth. And that's not I don't think that they've conditioned people to look for that and love that. I think it's something much more simple, which is they've turned these guys into TV characters. Yes. And so that's what the advantage is. And I actually don't think I think it's a good question to ask, but I don't necessarily think that those people are going to to fall out of love with the sport. I think some will probably. I mean, in the same way, yeah. you know, like I'm sure what was the one, was there ever like a thing you got really into for like a year and then you were like, eh, I'm good. Soccer. Yeah. <laughs> but that's mostly baseball. about Arsenal just that, making that, Well, that happened with America and baseball. They loved it for a hundred years. They're like, wait, this is baseball? Um, anyway, uh, that was a dig at your sport. That was a personal dig at you. Um, so, no, but, but, but for me, I think that they've established like what, Lance Stroll does, no matter what it is, is compelling to a certain group of people because they they know they identify him as a TV character, right? And there have been people who have asked me this entire time, like, oh, F1 doesn't compared to NASCAR, F1 doesn't have passing, it doesn't have compelling races, it doesn't have this, doesn't have that, doesn't have a playoff system like NASCAR. And I'm like, doesn't matter. NASCAR has not yeah. set up its top drivers as TV stars, and Netflix has. And so a P9 from Fernando Alonso or Esteban Ocon, I resonates in a way that that they can't in other racing series. And that that to me is why, at least for the short term, the short term, next decade, uh, it is it is going to maintain its popularity. I think that's I think that's a good read on it. You made a comparison of the NBA with like all the off court slash off off track yes. stuff mattering more than the actual games. Like that's the that's the big thing. And that's why the NBA, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the NBA was like the fourth most popular uh, sports league in, in North America. And, you know, it's yes, the the actual on court action has got better, but like they're they're good at creating narratives and creating storylines and selling the players and executives as as characters who you need to follow even when they're not actually playing. And that's exactly what F1's done. Michael Bauman. Next week, Max's home race. Yeah, going to be lots of orange. Lot, well, there was lots of orange today. Yeah, there's going to be even more orange. I think that's why they they got uh, Kevin De Bruyne in the uh, in the Red Bull garage because because he's orange and so he matches the uh, <laughs> the fans. This has been the Ringer F1 Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Thank you to Erica Sanchez for her production help. We'll see you next week.